How's everybody doing this morning? Good. So I get a text about three weeks ago from uh, John Robertson, the, the pastor here on the west side, and he's asking me, uh, would it be possible for me to come over here and, and uh, teach this week? And, and I said, yeah, let me, let me check my calendar, uh, a little bit of a crazy uh, time, but uh, you know, I'll get back with you. And he sends another text out, and he says, hey, listen, you'll be preaching on the book of Obadiah. And I, uh, I shot a text back to him real quick, Oba who? I mean, seriously, right? When was the last time anyone in this room heard a sermon from the book of Obadiah? Anyone? I want to see a hand. Anybody? Obadiah. Not one. Great. All right. So me, actually, I heard a sermon on Obadiah. Uh, I was a teenager, so 30, 30 30-some years ago. Uh, My home church, Paige Matthews, is the minister. Um, I cannot tell you one thing about the sermon, but for some reason I remember that he preached on Obadiah. So that was my one and only time uh, hearing a sermon from the book. Um, In spite of that, though, uh, it's in God's Word, right? It's in God's Holy Word. As Christians, we believe that God's Word is inspired. It's God-breathed. And so if it's inspired, if it's, if it's a word from God, therefore we should, we should take time to look at it and see it, see what we can learn from it, how we can grow from it. That's what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says. You know, we can, we can be taught, we can be rebuked, we can be trained through the word of God. So I hope today that we hear something, that we learn something, uh, maybe learn something that we did not know about this book. What's the backstory? I mean, what do we know about Obadiah? First of all, it was a common name in that time in the Old Testament. Um, also, this book was a minor prophet. So we're, we're looking at some of these prophet books here in the next few weeks. This was a minor prophet. Minor in the sense of how small the book was. Not minor in the sense of the message, okay? Uh, it's the shortest book of the Old Testament. It's, it's 21 verses. A very small book. Something that you can go and, and read later on this afternoon because we will not read through uh, the entire book. So it's a small book. It's not in content, but in the, in the fact that it's only 21 verses. What is the book about? Obadiah, it's a vision that God has given to this prophet Obadiah. And it's a vision of the destruction of the people of Edom. So now you know why John's not here uh, preaching this morning. What a great message to give. But it's in the Bible, right? It's truth. It's something that we need to be aware of. It's something that we need to know about this God that we worship and that we serve. And so why was God prophesying and giving this to Obadiah? Why was God saying that, 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 that Edom was going to be destroyed? It's because of the way the Edomites treated the people of God. Uh, they mistreated the people of God. They, they allowed a lot of things to happen to the people of God. Malachi chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, uh, it, it says, it talks about the destruction of Eden. So when did it start? Where did it come from? You know, problems arise. They come from somewhere. So in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament, the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 through 26, shares with us where this all began. Genesis 25, 21 says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. 
The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire to the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were two twins in her womb. The first came out and was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Thank you for that visual there. So they named him Esau. After this, the brother came out, and his hand was grasping at Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Go down to verse 30. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. So that's the beginning. That's the beginning of, of this wrestling, if you will. It started between siblings. It started between brothers. It went through the family and then finally uh, through two different nations. They were, they were constantly at one another. Edom was constantly a thorn in the side of, of Judah and the nation of Israel. And so what is um, the backdrop of the, small of the small book? It's the attack of the city of Jerusalem. It's the destruction of the city of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. And so Obadiah, he prophesied that this, um, that soon after, he prophesied this soon after uh, the fall of Jerusalem. So here you have a city that's destroyed. Jerusalem was uh, just completely destroyed the Edomites, they were involved in this, but it was the Babylonians who destroyed the city. But the Edomites were an ally to the, to the Babylonians. And, and so think about it. A city's destroyed. I mean, we don't, we don't live in that culture. We don't live in that kind of society. But they lost their homes. They lost their property. They lost their money. They lost their belongings. They lost family members. I mean, everything that they knew was gone. And this was obviously very difficult for the people of Judah. I mean, they had no idea what the future held for them. I mean, can you imagine if that would happen to us? Can you imagine the fear that would go through our minds and in our lives? You know, would they become prisoners? Would they become refugees? What would happen to them next? Now, we don't experience that in our, our day and time here in Bloomington. But we've seen it in the news. We've seen it on the big screen with different historical movies, if you will. I mean, we've seen destruction. We've seen where, where, where cities have been laid out, destroyed. Ha have you ever asked the question? Or have you ever heard someone else ask the question, where is God in all of this? I mean, do, you ever, do you ever think that? I mean, where is God in this? Where, where is this, this loving God in all that is going on in the world today? Well, Obadiah, he has an answer to the question. And in verse 1, it says, The vision of Obadiah, this is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. And so we could literally take verse 1 and spend the rest of our time in verse 1. We're not going to do that. You know, you, you think about this, this doctrine of the sovereign Lord. 
You know, that, that God is in control. And so verse 1 and 2, he's saying that, Obadiah's vision is saying that, that God is, is in control, that God has complete power, that God knows what's going on in this world. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, the second half of the verse, it says, God works out all things according to the counsel of his will. The mystery of the God of the Bible is hard to understand. Is there anybody with me on that? I mean, it really is. And, and the Bible talks about the mysteries of God. And there are things that we just cannot understand. You know? I mean, I, I, I honestly cannot understand why my friend Paul and I spent yesterday at a celebration of life service for a guy that is in his young 30s and passes away, you know, battle with cancer, and, and he leaves behind a wife, young 30s, and a 10 and a 12-year-old daughter. I mean, I don't, I don't get that. I, I don't have an answer for, for, for the, the, the wife or the girls. You know, I just can't explain that, why that happened. We don't understand all things that come to us in this world, but God does. You know, one day we might find out, right? But God knows. He knows all things. He holds all things in his power, in his grip. He is in control, and I believe that, and I take heart in that. Dr. Norman Geisler, he said this about sovereignty. Sovereignty is God's control over his creation, dealing with his governance over it. Sovereignty is God's rule over all reality. Obadiah, his message at the time, it must have sounded crazy. I mean, again, the backdrop of Jerusalem being destroyed, you know, the, the ones who survived, if you will. When, when they hear this prophecy from Obadiah, it must have sounded crazy to them based on their experience that they had, what they had seen, and what they had seen that the Babylonians and the Edomites did to them, to their people. But Obadiah says that this is what God says. So we're at a point in our lives as we read through Scripture, are we going to believe it or not? This is what the Word of the Lord says. This is what the Bible says Old school, thus saith the Lord. Now I believe that if we all lived in a way um, where we believed wholeheartedly throughout the day, every moment of the day, that we believed in the God of the Bible being in control and that he was all powerful, okay? And I believe that about God, the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, if we believe that, I believe our lives would look a little bit different. We can't relate to Edom and what they did to the people of Judah. I mean, the Edomites, they haven't come in and destroyed and laid out Bloomington, right? I mean, that's just not the culture that we live in. Yes, there are places in the world that you see that, but for us, we don't comprehend that kind of trial, if you will. But we do face trials, right? I mean, life's not perfect. There are hard times that we face. There are problems that we deal with. And the question is, how do we respond? 
You know, when, when we have a trial, when, when, when things are crashing down in our minds, when we're devastated in our mind, how do we respond to that? How do we deal with the problem? Personally, and I'm just being honest with you, uh, in my flesh, if you will, I, I can have the tendency to focus and to look and to think about the problem, about my despair, about my devastation. You know, I can focus on that at times. And uh, that's not good. You know, I focus on that rather than focusing on the God that knows all about the problem. He, he knows what's going to happen next. And so my issue at times is that I just forget who I'm serving. You know, I take my eyes and I put it on the problem and I face all that instead of saying, you know what? God is bigger than this problem at hand right here, right now. With the world that we live in, it's easy to do that, is it not? I mean, it's, it's easy to lose our focus in the world that we live in. It's easy to lose sight that God really is in complete control. You know, we need to focus on, and I need to remind myself of this, we need to focus on the, the Word of God and, and hold true to the promises that we see in Scripture. And that's got to be more than just, you know what, I pop up on the west side or the east side and I go to church, you know, maybe once a week or some people maybe less than that, others, you know, Christmas and Easter. It's got to be more than that. Because all of the things that bombard our lives and our minds, we're going to lose focus real quick if we don't spend time daily concentrating and thinking and worshiping the God who is in control. And so Obadiah says, don't lose heart. I know that you've lost many things, the people of Judah. I am in control. I am the sovereign Lord. Obadiah also prophesies that, you know what? Um, everyone, and again, he's speaking directly to the Edomites at this time, but it's throughout Scripture, and that is the judgment of God. The judgment of God is coming. Uh, we'll experience it through life, and then there we'll experience it later as well. Edom was being judged because they mistreated the people of God. I mean, they started out as siblings, they headed out into two different nations, and Edom mistreated the people of God. God does not appreciate that. I mean, God loves his people, and, and God will judge. There will be a judgment. We live in a world where there are a lot of God's people out there who are being mistreated. And, and others, some, or some of them worse than others. Um, but God will bring judgment on the people that oppose um, him. And, and so, you know, you hear that, and, um, you know, you read verses like number nine in Obadiah, and talking about Edom, he says, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Now, we don't typically preach about things like that, right? 
And when I allow my mind to go through that verse and to think about it, I got to be honest with you, in my Western mentality, it's like, really? I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing to hear. But we have to have a bigger vision and a bigger picture, and we are not God, and we don't understand all things. I really like this book by Timothy Keller. It's called The Reason for God. And in chapter 5, um, and I'm not going to read the passage right now, but in chapter 5, he talks about this judgment of God. And, and, you know, it's a good read if you ever have time to pick it up. But in the chapter, he says, you know what? Cultures and countries are different. And so people in the West, when they hear the judgment of God and they read through passages of Scripture like in Obadiah and other, other prophets throughout the, other Testament, uh, throughout the Old Testament, we have a hard time hearing that, that God is going to come down and judge these people for what they've done. I mean, we have a hard time with that. Oh, but how can an all-loving God do such a thing if he really is a merciful God and an all-loving God, right? We've heard those things. He points out in this book, and again, chapter 5, he says that, you know what? There are people in other cultures that really would have a hard time with a God who did not bring justice to the people that have just ruined their lives, to the things that have, have happened to them, right? The horrific things that have happened to people in the world. They, in different cultures, would struggle with a God that's all merciful and never would bring judgment upon the enemy. And, and so it really depends the lens in which we live and look through when it comes to the judgment of God. He says in this, uh, let me read one sentence, the Bible says that God's wrath flows from his love and delight in his creation. He is angry at evil and injustice because it is destroying its peace and integrity. So we'll step off that and move on. But God was going to judge the people of Edom because of their mistreatment of the people of God in Judah but also because of their pride. Anybody struggle with that? Verse 3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Um, so you see that in verse 3 and 4 of Obadiah. I mean, pride um, is something that people struggle with. And that was the failure. That was the big downfall of the Edomites. God's judgment means humbling the proud. We, we see that throughout Scripture. God will humble the proud. Finish the sentence. This is where you get to participate. Finish the sentence, pride comes before a fall, right. Pride comes before a fall. Pride is, you know, I'm thinking pretty highly about myself. I, I think, I feel pretty good about my accomplishments in life. Like, did you know that I am the man, right? Did you really know that? Do you know how great I am? And that's pride. And we laugh at that, but sometimes people really think that in their heart, there's no humility in that whatsoever. And, and I love communion time. I mean, communion time is, is a time to think through and get right in our heart with the things that, that we fall in. And so pride is an area that many people struggle with, prideful people. Moses knew how easily 
pride could trip people up. And so Moses in Deuteronomy 8, chapter 10 through 14, write that down and read it later. I mean, he warned the people about being proud. It's something we need to think about in our lives. Edom's sin, it included their dependence on false gods. So we come together this morning, we have a band up front, we sing worship songs to the almighty God who sits on the throne. What other gods sit on our throne? Legit question. We all have them. It's a battle. It's a fight. The people of Edom, they had gods in verse 6, the false god of money. Anybody ever get tripped up with that? You know, I've got money. I've got resources. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need God. Why would I need God? My life is great. I struggle with the God of money. What about the false God of worldly wisdom? I am smart. We live in a university town. You know, I, my, I, my intellectual capacity is just amazing, right? I'm a brilliant man. No, I'm, I'm just, it's not. You know, but it's, it's the false God of worldly wisdom, verse 8. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 talks about two kinds of wisdom. There's godly wisdom and there's worldly wisdom. We need to be going after the godly wisdom of Scripture. Another false god is military power. We could say government. You know, that's a false god. You know, we got to get the people elected in. That's going to take care of our viewpoint, et cetera, et cetera. But the government's not God. And so whether it's government or the military power or whatever, Edom, they had false gods in their allies and in their military power. And so... God, don't put it by God to come into your life. If you have false gods there, and you probably do, don't put it past God to come in and strip it away. Take it away. Because God wants you to focus on the one and only God, the true God. What do you worship? I mean, each of us needs to take a good look inside of us to see what false gods are there. I mean, what do we spend our time and our resources on? I mean, what do you think about when you have spare moments in the day? I mean, because this could be maybe some of your false gods that you worship. We need to face truth about ourselves. And so God, he says in his word, he says it in Obadiah, it's throughout the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament as well. He says that there will be a day where God will judge He was going to judge the Edomites, and he did. And he's going to judge all of us. All of us, at some point in time, we will be judged for the things and how we lived our life. Obadiah goes on in his vision to talk about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Verse 15 says, The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. So what that says is there's going to be accountability. There's going to be accountability for the life that we live here on earth. We are responsible for our choices. We are responsible for what we believe. We are responsible for the things that we do. The day of the Lord is coming. Now again, put yourself in Judah's place. 
I mean, the day of the Lord for the, the, the follower of God is a great thing. The fact that the Lord will come back and verse 21 says, deliverers will go up to Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau and the kingdom will be the Lord's. And so for these people of Judah that were in a, a city of destruction, the day of the Lord would have given hope. And that's what the vision was. It was to give these people hope for the future. And so again, for the Christian, that's a great thing. There's hope there. There's hope in God. There's hope in Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord is coming. The trials and the temptations and the things that we see right here today Hey man, there will be a day when that is all gone. Jesus also spoke about this final day, the day of the Lord. In the famous passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 31 through 46, a couple different verses, but it's that passage of scripture, the, the sheep and the goats, right? Talking about um, what we did and didn't do while here on earth, Okay? And so there was this verse uh, in that passage. It says, come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. So the believer in Jesus Christ, will that not just be amazing? To hear the kingdom prepared to you. I mean, come and inherit this. You know, you're you're going to inherit, for those who are in Christ, you're going to inherit a kingdom prepared for you. That's what Obadiah talks about in verse 21. And then there's the flip side of it. For those who are arrogant, for those who have no time for God, for those who utterly hate God or, you know, I don't, I don't believe in his word or his message. There's, there's words in that passage of Matthew 25 that says, depart from me. Basically, that person, and we, we, we're like, God, how could you do this? Well, they're choosing what they want. In the prideful arrogance, they're choosing what they want. They want freedom. They want to be away from God, etc., etc. And there's a day in the day of the Lord that that choice will come to fruition. Both Jesus and Obadiah taught about God's final judgment. They both did. So those who rebelled against God were in danger of eternal loss, but those who did not, those who knew God, those of us who know Christ, there's hope, there's a future, there's a kingdom, and that's what we prepare for. The cross of Jesus is something that we need to focus on. I mean, it was horrific. We just took the emblems of the broken body and the blood that was shed, it's not a snack, right? It's not something that we just do as a ritual. But it's something that we come together on a weekly basis and we think about Jesus Christ and the, the plan of God and what God did for each of us, our friends, our family, in loving mankind so much that he would lay down his life for us. Get that. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing message. I mean, basically what happened there is there was a substitution. There was a trade-off. Jesus did not deserve to die. He lived a, a perfect life. 
A life without sin, the Bible says. Can anyone claim that in this room? You know? I mean, the leadership that stands up before you are the first ones to say, like Paul in Romans, that we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So, Jesus didn't deserve it, but he got it. We deserve it, and we don't get it. Right? I mean, our sin was put upon him. His righteousness, if we are believers in Christ, is put on us. Now, that's a really important message to grasp a hold of as we approach and as we have no time or, I mean, no idea of the, the timing of the day of the Lord. I mean, there's hope. There's a future. There's a day of the Lord that is drawing near that is coming. The day of the Lord will bring judgment upon all of the nations, but it also brings deliverance for God's people. And that's something to hold on to. That's something to be excited about. To realize that, that, that God is in control of the future. I mean, we are the unjust people. We don't deserve heaven, but, but we have the opportunity for it because of what Christ has done. I mean, honestly, I'm not worthy. I mean, Paul knows me probably the best in this room. I am one jacked up individual. Okay? He gives witness to it. He's known me the longest, all right? Um, it's true. It really is. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. Um, there are things that's like, man, I just, the things I want to do, I just don't do. You know, Romans 7 kind of stuff. I mean, every single person here has the opportunity to identify themselves with Christ. And that's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. I want to finish out as Tony comes up. I want to finish out reading um, a few more verses of Scripture. And um, they, should be, they should be exciting words of Scripture. They should be comforting words of Scripture uh, for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And so Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Verse 5 goes on to say, these words are trustworthy and true. For the people of Edom, those would be some pretty comforting words.